Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Friday. I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We've got a packed Friday show for you. We're going to go to Weldon Rodenberg first, who's pinch hitting out of his uh, normal Sunday slot, do a little Friday preview. Weldon's headed to Vegas this weekend, so he will not be in his normal Sunday role i've got uh i've got the sunday show covered i'm gonna do a couple different things uh so there will be a sunday podcast so don't worry about that and then i think we'll do another one just kind of a bonus pod for the people on monday when weldon gets back maybe get a little scouting report from las vegas but i definitely want to get his thoughts on the game even if it comes a little later we can spin it forward into vanderbilt in the last of the season but anyway so i wanted to get him on for a preview before he headed off to vegas because uh hell he might not ever make it back and then we are going to go to uh greg for friday's picks as uh lb's greg went on a real heater in college football last week i did okay in the nfl college is not my strong suit um but before we get to that, that's probably as good a transition as any. I want to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox matrix interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the industry. This is peak football month. You've got football on every night, and you have had it on every night for the last week, and you're going to have it on every night until Thanksgiving. Then you're going to have college football wind down. Then you're going to have bowl games. Then you're going to have NFL Saturdays and NFL Sundays and NFL playoffs and NFL Thursdays. You need to go make some money off of this, and you're not going to do it by your own dumb brain. Skybox has a proven method to do it. They went 11-5 and five last week overall. Or excuse me, 11-5 and five in college, and then I don't have the number in front of me, but profited in the NFL again. I'm about to pull that up because this is bad podcasting. You need to check them out. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range. Uh, I'd recommend going with the just year-long all-access pass to Skybox. It's going to pay for itself and then some. I can promise you that. But if you're looking for something a little more affordable, a little more short term, they're going to have something in your price range, whether it's all sports for you know a month or a week or sports specific month or week, whether you like college, NFL, they have all kinds of different packages. I promise they're going to have one that fits your price range. So check them out. They were six and two in the NFL and 11 and five in college football last week. You know who didn't go six and two and 11 and five? You out there who didn't use Skybox. I can promise you that. Check them out. Skyboxsportspicks.com. When you go on the website and you figure out what picks package you want, just type in the little promo code Rippy. Let you know we sent them or we sent you. Let's them know we sent you. And then uh, you get 20% off any purchase. So how about that? And they have a day pass if you just want to try it out. It's 10 bucks. Use the promo code Rippy. I believe that's eight bucks. Not a math guy, but I think that's correct. Check them out. Skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg needs no introduction. He's going to tell you what he's got going on at the store this weekend. It's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Oxford is so lucky to have it. Check them out. I'm going by LB's this weekend. Uh, get a little bacon wrap filet action, maybe some crab stuffed mushrooms, all kinds of delicious sausages. You need to go check them out. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, rippywrights.substack.com, you get a free newsletter for me three to five times a week, plus discounted meat. You get a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your football watching weekend. Check them out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Loaded show today. Buckle up. Here's Weldon to get us started. All right, we now welcome on former Ole Miss recruiting specialist, Weldon Rodenberg, pinch hitting in his uh, for out of his normal Sunday slot, Friday into a Friday role. Why uh, Weldon is headed to uh, Vegas this weekend uh, to a football game, 
probably doing some casinos, just if I had to take a guess. So we will be not, we'll be out of our Sunday, normal Sunday pod. I got, I got it, got you guys covered out there listening for a Sunday show, but uh, Weldon broke the uh, highly lucrative contract that uh, he signed here Rebel Grove way back in August to uh, go party and go on a bender in Vegas, which understandable, but uh, we should be back with you guys on Monday Probably do something Monday night about the game. So a little mix, probably looking ahead to Vanderbilt. Last last little bit of the season, really like normal, just a uh, a day or so later. Um, big weekend ahead for you. Pumped about Vegas. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm super excited. I, I've been once and uh, happy to get back there. We're going to the Raiders game, uh, Raiders Chiefs Sunday night, playing some golf. You know, just kind of basking in my private school life um, that I learned was very controversial today, um, but it is what it is. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very, very excited. Yeah, that's it's really hard to beat that. And that's one of those trips where, like, going to Vegas would be fun. And, I mean, you went to – I imagine you went to enough Saint game, Saints games frequently that you probably didn't have this, like, feeling that I did. But, like, I've got, like, I've gone to a handful of NFL games over the years, but they've been so spread out to where it's like, all right, this will be fun. And then you get there and it's like the greatest cherry on top ever. You're just like, this shit is so badass. Like there's a reason people to continue to pay, you know, ridiculous ticket prices at times to come in because it's worth every bit of it. It's such a wild show. And that's such like a nice addition to top onto an already badass trip. Not to mention new stadium, uh, Patrick Mahomes, tough to beat that. Yeah, it's actually going to be the first NFL game I've been to outside of the Dome since the Saints came to Baton Rouge and played two games in Tiger Stadium. Wow. Was, uh, Nick Saban's return to Tiger Stadium was actually with the Dolphins, not with Alabama. Uh, so I was at that game, but I was very young. So I'm excited to, uh, excited to see an NFL game that doesn't have to do with the Saints. That'll be cool. Um I mean, it, it, the stadium looks amazing, and thank God we waited. We bought tickets like yesterday, but when we were looking earlier, they were like $1,000 a pop, and now they're down to, you know, they're still expensive, but cheaper, <laughs> much, much, much cheaper thanks to Mahomes having the yips and uh, John Gruden being a racist. So, you know, <laughs> some some silver lining <laughs> out of those situations. <laughs> rough, rough month for the Las Vegas Raiders, to put it mildly. You're going to have to report back on the uh, – the like gambling amenities that are in the stadium. I've heard all these like cool, like stories and rumors about like the live betting aspects. And I imagine some of that's probably in the luxury seating, but I'm just curious, like what that scene is like uh, just across the stadium. So you have to report back to that. Speaking of, before we get into this, uh, <laughs> get into the game here, uh, you mentioned uh, just basking in your private school privilege thread <laughs> on the board today, just kind of got out of hand. I, not in a bad way, but we're talking about rarely get those hundred deep threads on the board. So <laughs> someone put on the board, how do I know Rippy's a private school kid? His friends are named Weldon and Bracken, which whatever. I thought those were pretty normal names, but I get what he's getting at. I got a good laugh out of it. I posted the infamous high school basketball story, but then it just turned into a debate about the, uh, the morality of Mississippi private schools and yeah. really just got off in the weeds. You are strictly locked into uh, Newman and Catholic or what, what's the, what's the Louisiana high Episcopal. school football? Episcopal. Episcopal. Sorry. I get the denominations <laughs> mixed up. I, that's a big rivalry. Is it? Give us the lowdown on that real quick. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a unique 
game uh, back in the day. They used to start this game every year in the dome. Uh, Newman would play Episcopal. That was when they had Peyton Manning. And then my defensive coordinator, who is the assistant AD in DC there now, Jimmy Williams. Um, he played in the league for about nine years and it used to be a big game. And my, uh, roommate for three years in college, one of my best friends from college, Charles Sylvia, uh, well, he, he went to Newman and his, uh, cousin is the current quarterback of Newman, Arch Manning. So there was all nice, yeah, might've heard of Arch. So, uh, there's a nice rivalry there. We, uh, we played them in sports when I was in high school all the time. We, upset them in the basketball playoffs the same night we beat them uh, in the soccer state championship. Uh, we haven't played in football very often. And actually my senior year, I was really pissed off because we told the coaches to schedule them and uh, it just didn't happen, but it's uh, they played along a lot. And uh, my brother's girlfriend's little brother is the quarterback for Episcopal. Uh, so we, I texted him and said, uh, Got to outduel outduel Manning here for me. Uh, it should be a really big game. It's in it's in Baton Rouge, and I mean, I, do I really care that much? No, but I, it is exciting uh, having them play Arch. High school football kicks ass. That's one of the things I kind of got reinvigorated with out here uh, when I was trying to keep my foot in the door to a lot of different stuff and got in with the Dallas Morning News doing high school games. It's like you go to college, and if you talk about it too much, you're a high school hero. But like, yeah. I went back to a high school football game. Last year, for the first time in quite some time, wasn't quite the same because of COVID. And I did some stuff around Mississippi and college for the current ledger. But like there were a couple of games this year, I was like, it's hard to beat high school football sometimes on a nice Friday night with a lot of people in the stands in a good game. So uh, what is what is your mask? What is the Episcopal mascot? We are the Knights. OK, go Knights. There we go. Yeah. Topical going to Vegas. Yeah, my girlfriend, uh, I, I tried to convince her to to go it's in two weeks i got a bye and she gave me just the meanest face of you are you've got to be kidding me like we're not driving four hours to baton rouge for a high school game sorry that's so, unfortunate she just uh, not be there unfortunately she just doesn't get it uh i try to bring some uh some nice ja trivia to uh around around my girlfriend uh every every now and again and she pretty much responds like most of the posters on the board did today i actually sent her that thread and she was uh, very much in agreement to pretty much every negative MIS comment. So uh, <laughs> there's that. Um, what is what is a big matchup this weekend, uh, which that's what we in the biz call a transition and a tease. Ole Miss A&M, Saturday night, college game day is going to be there. Um, there was some unofficial leaking that Elon Manning might be the guest picker. I don't know. I'm not sure that came from like an official source. So I'm not sure how much time we want to spend on that at all. But that would make some sense. Long story short. It's going to be a massive game. Talk to Travis Brown of the Eagle, Texas A&M reporter for the Eagle on Wednesday. What, um, I'll just start open-ended. What's kind of, there one or two things that stick out to you about this game that you're particularly interested in. I think there's two obvious storylines, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on what you're looking for. Just kind of a broad scope. I mean, I guess just starting off is for Ole Miss who's playing. Um, if are the wide receivers back, are they not? I have no inside information. Uh, I could ask and they would tell me, but I don't really, I'm not going to ask because I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, it's just, um, if they're playing, are they a hundred percent? Um, that includes the offensive linemen, not just the receivers. Um, well, what's their status? What's Tysheem Johnson's status? Um, so I guess it really kind of starts there and 
if you get them back with any sort of ability to play at above 80%, I mean, you've got to like Ole Miss's chances a lot more. Um, however, on the other side, A&M is probably going to control the line of scrimmage in this game. And their offensive line, they start three true freshmen, I believe. Um, but like I've always said, it's week nine or eight or whatever it is. They're really not true freshmen anymore, and they've rounded into form uh, extremely well. And then their front seven on defense, you know, they're not Georgia, but they're not far enough away to not consider them almost Georgia. You know, that's a terrible way of putting that. But they're, they're basically the number two, and it's not that far away from being number one. Uh, they're very, very talented, extremely athletic and long at every single position on defense, uh, DBs to D linemen. And uh, it's going to be a super, super challenge for Ole Miss to run the ball consistently in that group. Yeah, you mentioned who's playing and who's not. I would imagine we can we can put one in the positive bucket for most Ole Miss fans listening out there. Sam Williams was made available for media availability on Wednesday. Um, I watched it last night or yeah, I guess it was last night. Maybe he got, was made available on Tuesday. It doesn't matter. He wasn't even asked, I don't think, about if he was going to play this weekend. But I imagine if they're sending him out there to go talk to media about, you know, what he's done the last couple of weeks and all that, um, he's probably playing. Like, that, that, would, that would seem pretty anti-Kiffin to roll a guy out there who's going to be iffy for the game and make him available to local media. So I think he's probably fine. But it really kind of comes down to the receiving core and the offensive line, does it not? There was – some very much unofficial buzz this week about Jonathan Mingo and Dontario Drummond coming back. I don't have any sort of insight on either one. Kiffin shed some light on the, the um, Mingo situation. It was actually maybe a little surprising to me, but maybe not. He said, I expect Mingo back this year, and I expect him back by the bowl game at least. So, like, I guess the way he's phrasing that in context is at worst type of thing, which sure. we've talked about this. We were, I, I would have be surprised if he came back this year, just from the whole Jones fracture or whatever it was surgery type of thing. I have read some stuff that kind of somewhat credible stuff from doctors, just looking at stuff on the internet, I'm talking about how it really just depends on the person and how they heal. And every case is different with an injury like that, which I know is like a doctor's version to coach speak at times, but with the Jones fracture, it really seems like the timetable can be pretty wide. I still wouldn't bank on Mingo playing this week. I Again, no lean there, just a guess. And with Drummond, it's a hamstring deal. He missed last week. He missed the second half of the Auburn game. I know he tried to come back in for a trick play, but you're over two weeks removed from him playing. I would – what's your gut feeling? Based on nothing else, wouldn't you guess he probably tries to give it a go? That's just my gut feeling, but I'm not positive. Yeah, my gut is he gives it a go. And I, I it just hamstrings are so weird. You have some guys who are kind of able to to get through it pretty quickly. And then you have some guys who it really lingers and it's impossible to tell what's going on with Drummond. Um my guess is he gives it a go. Um, but giving it a go always, you know, brings up the opportunity to re-aggravate it, and that can happen at any point. So who knows how long you'll have them. Uh, but I do think Dennis and Plumley playing well last week at least at least gives them confidence that they have an option behind them ready to go, and they won't be surprised if uh, if he ends up going down at some point. 
And you would assume Braylon's a little bit healthier, but as we talked about ad nauseum over the last month, it feels like who really knows with that guy, his official snap count last week, I believe is 23. So he played in a very limited capacity. Again, he made a nice catch down the sideline, but clearly he was not out there for the bulk of the snaps. Um, actually at less than half, I think the offense only took 58 snaps last week in totality on the offensive line. I don't know why I feel this way, but I'm not as concerned about who about guys not playing I, for whatever reason, because we didn't see Jordan Rhodes or Cedric Melton exit the game <laughs> against Auburn, unless I am mistaken. I, so I just wonder how much, like, I wonder if that's precautionary. That's just a hunch, but I think one or both of them tries to give it a go. I guess what I'm getting at is I would actually be pretty shocked if Jalen Cunningham is starting at right guard for Ole Miss again. That to me felt like a little bit of a Kiffin move. Hey, can we make this work against Liberty and get through it without those guys having to play? Technically, Jordan Rhodes played two snaps in that game. I would guess that's on some sort of field goal type of thing because maybe Cunningham doesn't know what to do or something like that. I don't know. That's just a guess. I didn't notice him on offense at all, even going back and watching the game. But point being, that felt a little more precautionary. You could argue that's more vital than the receiving core in some aspects because, to me, when it comes down to it and you look at this game, if Ole Miss can't run the ball effectively, like I'm talking about way more effectively than they did last week and actually much more effectively than they did at Auburn, I'm not sure how much of a chance I give them to stay within a score. I completely agree. Um, I do not anticipate Jalen Cunningham playing every single snap on the offensive line this week. Um, but I don't know what the five are going to be. You know, it could be a, a mix and match like they've done, but it doesn't really matter. It, it matters how they play. It's not a matter who's out there. And like you just said, if they can't run the ball with at least a semblance of efficiency, they're toast. They're toast. Um, that, Cause Matt, um, his ankles aren't going to be healed. That that magically does not happen. Uh, he's not going to be overly effective as a runner, but he's tough as hell. And I think you'll see him do – he'll probably slide less this game, I would imagine. He's probably going to go for it, go through it as much as he can and uh, attempt to at least put the team on his back. But there's three running backs back there that are good, and they've got to get production there because AM's DBs, they're not elite. They give up some big plays, but they're incredibly long. They are tough to deal with. Um, and I just – running the ball is going to be so key for this team. Yeah, I, th- I couldn't agree more with that part of it as well. And the other aspect, I guess, that I left out is that Bryce Ramsey didn't play last week. I don't really have a read on that. But that might be – is it fair to say that could be the most key just because if he's available to play, then – he can go to center and Umano's at guard and they actually, and there's only a small sample size of that against LSU, but they were actually pretty good when that happened. Like it was not noticeable them getting runs blown up. And while I imagine that wouldn't necessarily be ideal, but even if melted and Rhodes don't play for whatever reason, if you can get Ramsey in there and move Umano to guard that, like that seems to solve a lot more than kind of banking on either one of Rhodes or Melton, I don't know. Who the hell knows? Like, it's going to be interesting to see who runs out there for the first series, but that was someone I admitted that seems pretty important because, yeah, you move Umana to guard and you become pretty thin, like you're kind of up shit creek without a paddle if he if someone else gets hurt on the interior. But you are anyway, no matter who plays at this point, right? Like, it's, it's yeah. kind of irrelevant. No, I mean, I agree. It, it's just nice to know have a plan 
and go in there like this is the guys are going to play. If this guy goes down, we got this guy next instead of here's the five or six. And if one of these guys go down, then we're screwed. So right. it'll be that's kind of what to look for to see if they've got the guys out there that are available and they have a plan and they kind of stick with it. You mentioned the talent A&M has on the defensive side of the ball and you, you made the Georgia comparison, but not really. But I know exactly what you're saying. They played Alabama in October, just worth pointing that out. Do you think this is the best defensive front they'll play this year? Because talking to other people, too, I think the answer might be yes. I would say yes. Um, Alabama's got some more meat to them. Like, I think their defensive tackles <clears throat> and their their linemen are a little bit bigger. But these A&M guys are just so athletic. I mean, the the Tyree Johnson kid and DeMarvin Leal, I mean, they're they're studs and they're high, high draft picks. And they do a ton run uh, against the run, pass rushing. I mean, they get after you. And uh, they're they're super, super tough. I would say it's got to be close to the set. Yeah, I would say it's probably the best that they've played this year. And they're in form. You know, they're, they're playing incredibly well. One of the things Kiffin said on Monday, or it may have been on Reb Talk, I don't remember, it doesn't matter, was interesting to me was he said, Jimbo has figured out the Nick Saban philosophy of get the absolute best athletes and players you can on the defensive side of the football, and the rest oftentimes takes care of itself. I'm paraphrasing. That's not an exact quote. I may have lacked a little bit of context, but you get the general point of emphasizing just getting a lot of freaks and he, I think he included Kirby and George on this. Clearly, they've kind of repeated that as well. And I thought that was an interesting aspect. Just from a recruiting standpoint, is that a concerted strategy? If so, and how hard is that to do? I think I know the answer to the second part. But, like, <laughs> is that what the upper programs that kind of know what they're doing try to do? Or if you just get a bunch of studs on defense, you can kind of piece the rest together? Well, there, there's a few ways you can take that quote. Okay. Um, you could take it at face value and saying that, you know, you prioritize, you know, really going after elite defensive linemen and making that the priority of your recruiting base and like how you build your team from the inside out. Or you could take it how he at least deep down may have meant it, where you put together the network and you go and get those guys because they're the most important. Um, I think both of those are very true. I think Jimbo has done a little bit of both. <laughs> he has taken what Saban built network-wise Alabama and what Kirby has copied and created a very, very similar machine at Texas A&M, who, uh, as we all know, has as many resources as anyone in the country, and it's just dying to be relevant in college football. And to their credit, they most certainly are. These days, they are absolutely as relevant in recruiting and just in the country as any team. Um, they have built an incredibly efficient recruiting operation over there. I would say with the exception to Georgia and Alabama, I think A&M and Ohio State are right there at three and four um, with grabbing some of the best players in the country at all kinds of positions, really. Um, they're just kind of missing that elite quarterback, which is always difficult to get. I mean, even Georgia doesn't have that right now. Uh, so, yeah, I would say Kippen's quote in totality can be taken many different ways, but is very, very true. Is that why – and I've, I've thought about this before. I didn't really necessarily know how to articulate it. Is that why – and this is actually maybe a better example because the kid didn't even pan out to what 
you could say the network value of him was. Is that why it oftentimes you see more of the or hear about more of the quote unquote bidding wars and shit like that with guys on the defensive side of the ball? And the example I'm bringing up is Leo Lewis, where I mean, talk about just a recruiting saga. It seems like, and it's not exclusively to that, but it seems like a lot of the drama-filled recruitments you hear with defensive side, defensive guys and quarterbacks, and, I mean, Cam Newton, probably a pretty good example there. You mentioned yeah. they're the most important. I mean, in terms of recruiting, those seem like the two most important positions on the field. Is there a correlation there in terms of the money thrown around at certain guys and that being the most important, if you can kind of see what I'm getting at a little bit? Yeah, I do. I think – Definitely when it comes to defensive linemen in the SEC, there's so few of them that are elite at coming out of high school that the competition is stiff. <laughs> and that's a light way to say it. Um, I mean, I think they just had Walter Nolan commit to them. And to be honest, that kind of uh, puts together every piece of what we said so far. Uh, I mean, that kid's been at three different high schools, moved to Knoxville and committed to A&M and I, I saw some article he's going back to Knoxville this weekend to grab another bag, I would assume. So good for him. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's tough. You know, quarterbacks don't really operate the same way. Right. Um, it just kind of depends, but so, when it comes to defensive linemen, elite ones, it, it's, it's a, it's a numbers game, literally and figuratively. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. So yeah. on, as it pertains to this game, one of, I was texting one of our buddies, William Mayo, earlier today, and I was honestly just asking if he was coming back for the game. Then we started talking about it, and it's a bad matchup, I think, for Ole Miss because A&M runs the ball well, and they've stopped the run all year. Uh, their running game, as you mentioned, has come along as of late, talking about the offensive line not necessarily being fresh anymore. When you look at this from a coaching standpoint, I think Jimbo Fisher is a pretty good coach. I think sometimes his scheme, and we talked about this before, can be a little bit outdated. Um this is not necessarily directly on him, but their game plan against Mississippi State was just kind of atrocious. Uh, Travis Brown hit on that uh, pretty pretty heavily on the Wednesday show where it's like, what the hell are you doing? It's kind of one of those things where you probably like to take that one from a schematic standpoint and throw it in the garbage. This is an opportunity, it seems like, for Kiffin and Lebby if they are able to pull this thing off. And I say pull it off. Look, it's a one-point line. But, like, if they're able to win – given whatever they are working with on the offensive side of the ball, is this one of the ones, and I don't know if coaches necessarily think like this, where it's like, hey, we're one of the best in the sport at what we do, and this would be an example you can kind of flex, because the talent disparity, offense versus defense, is uh, somewhat large. And if Ole Miss is able to score 30-something points and somehow pull out this game, like, do you kind of view that as a pretty good reflection of Levy and Kiffin being a lot smarter than their opponent on most weeks? You could say that, yeah. Um, if Ole Miss ends up winning this game, it'll be not because they don't have the players with the ability to do it, but it'll be a lot of scheme-based. Um, I think you're going to see a pretty heavy dose of going forward on fourth down in this game. Um, I don't know if it'll be Alabama level because they are at home, and you know, recently the Ole Miss defense has played much, much better. Um but you're going to see a lot of it. I think you're going to see some different things from them. You know, they game plan week by week. They're going to have new wrinkles in the offense for Alabama. They're, I mean, for A&M. They're not just going to go out there with the game plan they had for Liberty or the game plan that they had for Arkansas. You know, they're going to really dissect what this team does well and try to exploit the weaknesses. Um, some coaches 
don't do that as much. Most do. It's not like they're some superheroes and they've got this, you know, the key to victory that nobody else can ever figure out when it comes to offense. <laughs> but uh, I think it'll be definitely on Kiffin and Levy to come up with a really different, diverse game plan and a backup game plan <laughs> in case their initial one doesn't work because you, you have to have plan A, plan B, plan C, depending on the injuries, depending on how you're running the ball, depending on what the score is. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to be a pretty cool chess match between do, two very different philosophies uh, on offense. Yeah, I made them sound like the little giants or something here, and they're trying to knock off Goliath. But I guess more what I was getting at is like you could see them kind of pull the other side's pants down a little bit. A hoops example of that is, Look, for all Andy Kennedy's flaws, he sort of kind of owned Bruce Pearl when Pearl first got to Auburn and really would just kind of coach circles around them game after game. And that's kind of more what I was I was getting at than to make it sound like a David Goliath deal. When you say two very different philosophies from the A&M standpoint, because everyone's familiar with Ole Miss, what do you mean and how it contrasts to what Ole Miss tries to do? Well, they don't AM doesn't really use tempo. They're they use pro style under center ball control. Uh, both are heavy run, you know, designed offenses, but Jimbo is more of a, a matchup, create matchups, use the tight end significantly. Um, whereas, you know, Levy and Kiffin or tempo kind of outmatch you with speed, kind of try to get you to, uh, to break coverage uh, because they're going so fast. Whereas Jimbo is just kind of, you know, we're just going to muscle you out. So it's a little bit – it's not a finesse versus strength deal. It's just kind of a different way of going at emphasizing the run and a different way of going at creating big plays. A&M second in the conference in scoring defense. This is such a wild stat. Georgia's allowed 59 points all season. Well, yeah, A&M is second in – game or something well, like that. It's what? It's, I think it's uh, Georgia's allowing like 6.6 .6 points a game. That yeah no you're exactly right I have actually had it in the next I saw it. yeah that's, I didn't uh, make that up yeah that's pretty good what's interesting though and this kind of epitomizes how tough this Texas A&M defense can be because they're not they're fourth technically st from a statistical standpoint in terms of run defense they're still pretty good but State and Alabama rank ahead of them and look you can't take you know you can't put one statistic in a silo in defense and kind of get a read on who actually has the better collective defense. But I think scoring defense for the most part is a pretty good statistic. So outside of Georgia, who's doing what they're doing, which is just sort of on an absurd level, A&M's allowing 14.7 points per game. And that's with a 38 burger dropped in against Alabama and a terrible game plan against state. So they've been pretty good for the most part and kind of, I guess to put that in context, it's 132 points. Well, Auburn and Alabama are third and fourth with 178 and 179 respectively. And I believe they've all played the same amount of games. So like, I guess overall in most statistical categories, it seems like that A&M might is definitely not definitely arguably the second best defense. You could put Alabama in that mix too, but certainly when it comes to actually putting the ball in the end zone, they are uh they are a hell of a lot tougher than anyone else in the sec, not named Georgia and that's what's going to make the red zone on both sides of this so fascinating. Ole Miss, I don't think, is going to be able to win this game having Caden Costa kick four field goals. They're going to have to figure out a way, and this kind of coincides with running the ball, to get six points when they get in the red zone. And I know that's such a simplistic talking point, but that's just going to have to happen at a much higher rate than it's happened in the last two weeks. On the other side of it, Ole Miss 
is going to give up yards running, rushing the ball. I just don't really see a scenario, particularly with the way AM has run it lately. You mentioned the AM offensive line not really being the three freshmen anymore because of how they've grown up and the season being late that it is. I don't think it's any coincidence they've run for 215 plus yards in each of their last three games. They've run for 190 plus in four of the last five. And the one exception was I think they only ran for like 98 against Alabama, but that was a weird game, had some special teams touchdowns, and Zach Calzada played the game of his life. So that running game seeming really is rounding into form, and I just don't see how Ole Miss would limit them to the degree of, you know, 150, 175 yards rushing. Look, if they run for 330, Ole Miss is kind of screwed. But if you run for like 225 or 240, where both Tennessee and Auburn were, or Tennessee and Liberty in varying degrees, Tennessee is probably the best example. They had to take 50 times to do it, and Ole Miss was pretty good in the red zone. To me, when you're trying to limit this AM offense, it's how you are in the red zone. And can you make enough stops on their runs to force them in like a second and nine or a third and six or something like that and at least make Calzada make a couple of difficult throws to keep their drives alive? That, to me, is Ole Miss's best hope uh, outside of AM, just kind of methodically running it 12 times a drive and scoring 35 points the hard way. Yeah. I would, I would hope. I mean, I see this team running for 200 yards. They, uh, they've got two incredibly talented running backs, Spiller and uh, a Shane, who's like a speed demon track guy. Um, they're really, really good. Their offensive line, you know, we say they're freshmen. Well, the the center who's playing freshman was a five star, and the right tackle was basically a five star. So it's not like these guys are uh, are terrible or like they would some people would lead you to believe earlier in the season. Like, these guys just needed some time. Um, I, I do agree that you've got to get them off of pace a little bit, get them in some throwing downs. And what you can't do is – it's tough because Ole Miss won't do it, and I understand why. But you can't give Calzada these easy throws because he is capable of completing easy, easy throws. If it's a passing down, you know it. I really think Ole Miss has got to get pressure, uh, blitzing or by some sort of manipulation of the offensive line, um, because we don't. They don't let receivers get behind them. They've they've done a really good job this year of giving or not giving up explosive plays in the passing game, except for a little bit against Arkansas. But I, I really do think you're going to have to eventually kind of close the gap on some of these receivers, force Calzada to actually make a play with his arm. Um, they haven't played in a road environment that's hostile yet this year. And not that I'm calling Hemingway hostile at all. You know, it's lower tier SEC, but it should be pretty rowdy at six o'clock for game day in a game like this. It should be a pretty good atmosphere. I, it just, you got to get them off pace um, because they're going to run the ball. Calzada is capable of making plays, but you've got to force him to. You can't just give him the easy throws, then give him the easy runs, because that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and to add on top of that, they've had some injuries at wide receiver, because when Zach Calzada took over, they were down a couple of receivers. They lost the Chapman kid for the year. There's been one or two that I can't think of off the top of my head that have been down, that they're hopeful to get back kind of in the same boat as Ole Miss, potentially, for this game. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like the Ole Miss is going to have to bring pressure and they're they're not not let him make the easy throws, make him do something difficult to beat you. And I think Ole Miss for the last month, for the most part, has been pretty good about that. Really from the Tennessee game on, 
uh, you know, the whole Jake Springer return. I'm not sure how direct the correlation is there, but they've been a hell of a lot more aggressive. So I think that's going to be play a huge part in this game. And I think the defense is going to need a takeaway or two, um, particularly early in this game. You mentioned the hostile environment. I agree. Like, again, Vaught Hemingway is what it is. But look, that place can get somewhat loud. It's a Saturday night. You know, it's a nationally televised game. Like, all of that going in their favor. A&M hasn't played in that yet. And so I think Ole Miss has a shot. But I just think their margin for victory in this game is a lot more narrow than A&M's is. And I'm curious to see how Calzada plays and how he handles this. Because – if he's awful and he's erratic and he turns it over a time or two, particularly maybe in the first like two and a half quarters of the game, that kind of flips it a little bit to where AM would have to be like really, really special with the running game to win the game. Because if Ole Miss is able to get up like 10, you know, 10, 3, 14, 3 or something like that and put them in some passing situations to where they can't be maybe as patient as they want to be, that really changes the complexion of this game early. So I think the first like 18 minutes of this game will be really, really fascinating. Um, kind of, I guess one of the last things for to get out of here is just a more of like a macro thought. If Ole Miss is able to win this game, 10 and two is very much out there. Look, you're going to kick the, I mean, it really comes down to the egg bowl and I think Ole Miss wins the egg bowl, but I guess like in your mind and for someone that worked inside of a program, do you, how prevalent, I know it's not talked about per se, but how prevalent are games like this in terms of marquee games to put your program on a map is such a cliched term, but really kind of make a huge statement. And like 10 and two is something that hasn't happened at Ole Miss in some time. We outlined that last week. You know, if they win this game, they're going to a New Year's Six Bowl unless they lose the Egg Bowl and things get weird. How prevalent that is, is all of that and what there is to play for on a week like this inside the building, like does everyone sort of subconsciously know what, what, what is at stake in the bigger picture, not just directly beating A&M? Yeah, it, it does help. It, it does make a statement. It does put yourself in a, in a place to be on national televised games and potentially like a sugar bowl or a cotton bowl, though those bowls have kind of been devalued because of the playoff. Um, it, it's a huge deal. Um, it kind of brings me back to my quote that I've, I've said on here a few times when it comes to recruiting kids is, you know, winning helps and losing doesn't hurt. But if you win big, it helps big. Uh, it shows that, you know, kids, you can show that you've done it. You know, you, you've been there. You're 10 and 2. Uh, you're, you're competing for the playoff. You're playing in big games and you're beating big teams. And, you know, all, all these kids recruiting wise have such different priorities but if you're recruiting kids who are are there and they're saying you know I, I want to compete in the SEC West and beat the best teams and you know try to compete for a national championship which whether that can be done at Ole Miss is you know is debatable um, then winning a game like this proves that you know game days there the atmosphere should be pretty awesome and Kids will like to see that, um, that are going and everything. So there's a ton of positives that can take away. Um, does beating A&M, like, completely change the trajectory of where Ole Miss is at? No, I don't think so. I mean, 9-3 and three and 10-2, and two, yeah, it's, it's going to difference between a bowl game. But as I said, those just aren't really the same, um, at least from a fan perspective. Maybe from a, an athlete or perspective, it's a little bit different. But um, – I mean, it's a big game, and it definitely helps your stature amongst the elite programs. And, you know, some kids probably take that as a priority. Well, and Helen, if you win this game, you're 
I say oh, probably is a good word. Probably finished second in the second in the West. Does it, so Auburn's got three. If you, so if you went out, you're you're second in the West, assuming Alabama beats Auburn. Right. That's kind of what I was getting at, making sure the math's right. Look, I don't remember when's the last time Ole Miss finished solo second in the West. Fifteen. Were they second in the West in fifteen? They had to have been. I mean, they, yeah, they I guess lost, no one else was they, good. That's a good yeah, point. They, they lost to um to Memphis that year. And Florida. And unless unless all yeah, Memphis, Florida, and Arkansas. Arkansas. And I don't think Auburn was that good that year. Yeah, I think that was 15. They probably finished second. They would have finished second in the West. So, and that was what? Memphis, Florida, and they went to yeah, so but point being, it hasn't happened very often in a long time, I guess, is what I was trying to get at. Well, and- most importantly, they finished second in the West in 2003. <laughs> Make sure I point that out there for everybody. There's and, a banner you know, that says otherwise. You no, know, it'd be a great – it would be a great thing if they finished second this year and, you know, as a celebration in doing so, just took that stupid fucking sign down. It's pathetic. I said it. I think we were going around asking, like, uh, you know, what can we do to help like the program when I was working there? And I one of the first things I said was take down the goddamn 2003 sign. That would be a great start. <laughs> that was a very on brand Pete Boone move. It oh, felt like I'm pretty sure that was still there during the Pete Boone era. I'm actually almost positive because I remember having to look at that as soon as the South End Zone Club was built. Uh, if I'm I could be wrong about this, what's wild about that whole deal is I think and I say this, I think. When they that LSU game happened, I'm not sure the South End Zone Club was open yet. How about that blast in the past? So anyway, (laughs) and they used to run out of the other end. The football facility used to be in the North End Zone, and they'd run out of that stupid old Miss helmet. Um, But anyway, all right. So we had a couple miscellaneous things to get to before we get out of here. Uh, One of them doing with the real football, but we will get to a real quick recruiting question. A guy on the board uh, mentioned this last or this Saturday. I just forgot to get it on the Sunday pod. We've covered this a little bit before, but he says, or he asks, question for the next pod, how far are Mississippi high school players behind skill-wise compared to players from Texas, Florida, and Georgia? I'm thinking about places where I grew up in Mississippi where our coaches were guys who moved back home and coached football as a supplement to their teacher's salary. How does the recruiting staff deal with that? Before I hand this over to you, we talked about this slightly before when we were talking about how I think you mentioned how polished a lot of these Texas kids are and like how ready made they are. I think that was mostly the conversation and two in to some degree, I know it's different in Mississippi because smaller or whatever, but to some degree, the whole like move back home, coach high school and teach is prevalent everywhere to some degree. It's not barring the exception. So what is your thought? Like what, what would your answer to that question be? Let me think about, I mean, it's not – it's kind of an interesting question, and it's it's kind of a year-by-year thing. Uh, Mississippi kids, I think, really get hurt by two things. One, it's just lack of facilities at these high schools. Even I can attest to that now. Yeah. I mean, just powerhouse high schools that are always good year in, year out. They don't have, you know, elite facilities where kids can have, like, a real strength and conditioning program. Sometimes they don't even have a strength and conditioning coach. It's just the head coach with football experience doing it. So they'll come out more raw and, you know, it's difficult to project some kids. Um, I think the the difference between Mississippi 
and other places um, is just the lack of a, a metroplex, I guess is the correct way to put it. And uh, Jackson's not that. So all of these kids are playing in these high schools in these rural areas. You know, they're hard to find. And if you find them, the film's probably shit. And, you know, they might not have the ability to travel, to go to camps, to see them in person. So I know Ole Miss and State always used to get just dinged on some of these kids ending up at, you know, Southern Miss or Memphis or ULL and turning into, you know, NFL players. But it's it's can be difficult to evaluate Mississippi kids because of the lack of exposure um, and the lack of, you know, really good coaching. You know, there are some great coaches in the state, but they're really not even close compared to, you know, Georgia, where, you know, some of those high school coaching salaries in Georgia are like college level. Um, And Louisiana has the same issue. You know, you have some schools, you know, where you got like Catholic and Baton Rouge and Newman and, you know, my Episcopal, the coach has been there for 20 years, has it, they all have these systems they run. Whereas some of these Mississippi schools, it's like, they don't even have systems. It's like a year by year thing. It's like, what are we doing this year? You know, are we going to do wing tee? Are we going to spread it out? Um, and then, of course, like, I guess the last point is just the lack of lack of depth in the state. You know, there's very – there's so many years where, you know, I worked there for, I think, four recruiting cycles, and, like, two re- recruiting cycles were, like, we really have to get a lot of these players in Mississippi. Like, we've evaluated them. They're all really good. And there's two years where it's like we can't fill a class of five of these kids and feel confident, whereas other states, you know, Texas and Florida and Georgia, you're always going to have that. But even the states of similar size, like Louisiana and Alabama, you don't have a lot of down years in Louisiana and Alabama uh, because there's just so there's more people. There's real cities. You got New Orleans and Baton Rouge and Shreveport and Alabama. You've got you've got Birmingham and Mobile and Montgomery where there's just a pockets of players and high schools with great coaching and really nice facilities. And in Mississippi, you know, the powerhouses, they, they change year by year, but West Point, you know, you're in West Point, Mississippi. And to be honest, they run a great system, but don't really produce any players. You know, Starkville is maybe the most consistent program and maybe Oxford is up there, Madison central. And you might have one kid a year from those schools. That's, that's worth recruiting. You know, even and then on the coast, which is kind of like one of the more populated areas in Mississippi, it's bad football. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really bad football down there for the majority of the uh, for of the schools. I mean, I think the North usually wins the high school state championship for these teams. And I mean, I know they split Madison and Jackson. Some of those teams are technically in the South Division, but they're really not. Um, so it's just kind of a lack of depth, lack of exposure. It, it, there's a lot of things that are kind of tough and then the last obvious point is you've got two schools recruiting them so you've got a state that doesn't have a lot of depth with players and then you have them you know split both ways between the two main schools and that's not even including the fact that LSU is closer to Jackson than Mississippi State and Ole Miss are so there's a lot of weird things but that's not to say that Mississippi doesn't produce really good players because they do I think in the NFL per capita it's you know, it's Louisiana, Mississippi at the top, but it doesn't always end up being the guys that everybody wants. You know, it's always the guys like, you know, Daryl Henderson, who I think is from Mississippi. He's up at Memphis and is a baller. And then, 
you know, uh, Kenny Gainwell is like starting for the Eagles now. I know he was like a borderline take. You know, it just always ends up being weird. It's it's a very weird state to recruit. Not even from an NFL standpoint, but those Avery kids weren't like takes. Yeah, Gennard Avery and the other Avery kid. Yeah, I mean, you know, they ended up being really good players. And I don't know what happened with the evaluations. I wasn't working there for either one of those kids, but. Um, it just, it always ends up like, I think like Fletcher Cox was like barely a take for Mississippi state. And he was like a 220 pound, like defensive lineman or like even smaller than that. He just like grew into a monster. You can never predict that. Right. And like miss and in Mississippi, it's so hard to kind of see what the, the ceiling on some of these kids are just because of what I mentioned, the lack of exposure, coaching facilities, you know, strength and conditioning. It's just, a, it's tough. Um, yeah, it's wild because so MC went to Texas high school in Texarkana and I think they're like a four a school in Texas. I think they're huge claims to fame, if I'm not mistaken, or Ryan Mallett and Michael James, but they produce decent college talent. Pretty good ones. Yeah. There's oh, decent, wait, wait. like, there's a couple of on Texas high school before you start. So in Texarkana, there is Texas high school and Arkansas high school. Yes. And guess what their mascots are. The Razorbacks, the Longhorns. It's they ridiculous. The, it's the it's dumbest so shit ever. Funny. I make give them shit, give her shit about that all oh. the time. Like, and they're burnt orange and uh, the same colors. It's yes, it. it's so funny. I think that is the funniest thing ever. And we were recruiting some kids from there, and we're, we kind of were looking we're like, wait, 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 stop. <laughs> what yeah. is going on here? <laughs> we had to like take a few minutes, like look at both. Okay, but continue your point. So I had to bring that up. No, no, yeah, I'm glad you did because I was going to shit on it anyway. But yeah, no, you're right. And but that's a four A school in Texas who they I think Texas high. I don't know much about Arkansas has a decent football program for the most part. They have an indoor practice field. Yeah, they have an indoor practice facility on campus. Calling it a facility is probably a little strong, but I imagine the weight rooms tucked in there somewhere. It's a four A school in Texas. Is there a school in the state of Mississippi that can practice indoors? Hell no. Exactly. <laughs> not that I think, not that I know of. No, I mean, well, like it, it's, it's so crazy. I mean, Episcopal, you know, I, I, this, my school, so I know a lot about it, uh, built a beautiful new field house with like legitimately, legitimately a college, uh, like weight room facility, a, uh, like a physical therapy room with like a hot tub, you know, raise, uh, Todd Graves with Raising Canes was a alumni and he put up all the money for it we haven't produced a college athlete in like five years, but you just, it's, but you don't see that at even, even like prep and JA, like you don't have, like don't right. have, I mean, you should see Newman's facilities. You should see John Curtis. You should see Catholic, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. The difference. I mean, Alabama with like Briar, I mean, not Briarcrest. Um, what's the Birmingham suburb? Oh, uh, uh, Mountain Brook. Mountain Brook. Oh my God. St. Paul's and Mobile. It's just insane. Their resources. Some of these schools have, and they put into football and in Mississippi, you just don't have a lot of that. I went and interviewed, uh, what's the guy's Ricky Woods who went from Starkville to South Vanilla one day. And I had to meet him at his office at like a random morning in July. And he like, lock and turn key and like opens it up and their football offices are just connected to the uh, maybe i'm wrong i, I shouldn't say that because i'm not positive i think it was the basketball gym maybe that sapanola has their own facility but like it's it's to your point it's not the same deal it's just night and day no um, it is and plus like i mean sapanola speaking to them when's the last time they've had a kid 
That's dropped off. That used to be, they won a national championship in high school football, as you will see on the highway coming in to Batesville. Um, And like some of the, some of those programs in Mississippi that used to be good, like they just don't produce kids anymore. And maybe that's a, a long-term Mississippi issue with just population leaving the area. You know, that's fair. I mean, that's definitely gotta be at least part of it. just with the whole state in general. And I obviously haven't lived there very long, but the politics of it, it's out there. You could see it places and, you know, there, there's not necessarily a, a set way to fix it, but it kind of is what it is. Um, Let's get to soccer corner and I got to get a prediction out of you. So we, we got a couple guys checking in. There was uh there was one from this past week where he, on top of his question was, is it time for Man United to move on from Ole? Is that Ole or Ole? Ole. Okay. Um, they look like a slower division team with the world-class goalkeeper today against City. Uh, it's past time. It's past time. It's a joke. I mean, they're, okay. they're falling quickly. I like Sack. that. Yeah, Sack, no. And then we had another guy checking in on DMs asking if it was too niche to start, to start talking some MLS. Uh, I know you don't watch much yeah. MLS. That's never stopped us from talking about it on this show. The good kid, the kid for the U.S. national team that's really good is in my backyard, right? Doesn't he technically? What's his name? Pepe. Pepe. He plays Pepe. for FC Dallas, right? Yeah. All right. So sometime in the next couple of months, I'll go scout him and bring back my thoughts. Yeah. Um, you don't even have to. They, they play Mexico tomorrow night. Oh, Not there we go. Be, I know you'll be I out and about. You'll be out and about in Oxford, but that he'll be starting and playing against Mexico tomorrow night. I have it T-vote. We'll save the results for the EPL for our Monday podcast, but I'd be remiss if we, uh, we had a couple of stories we'd like to get into real quick. So someone, (laughs) we had an English, is there an English women's premier league? I'll let you set the stage. You tagged me in this one. What we had a player intentionally injure another player to see a little more FaceTime playing time. Yeah. So, I don't really know a whole lot about women's soccer, but they, a lot of these big clubs do have women, female clubs associated with them. Uh, I don't think all of them do, but I'm sure a lot of them do. Um, and it looked like, you know, some girl went full with Tanya Harding and like hired a hitman to like kidnap and beat the shit out of her teammate to play more. I don't think I've ever heard a sports story like that. Like, that's insane. I, I literally know nothing more than that. I just tagged you in it because I thought, like, that's a must at least bring up at some point. Um, I loved amazing. it. Couldn't have loved it more. I'm just curious. Why would you not go with a – I hate to say Nordic country, but can we get, like, a, a Czechoslovakian or a Swede? I'd be more scared of them. The French people seem too nice. She hired the wrong hitman. I don't know if it was botched, but I would bet it's botched. I mean, I cannot imagine that's an easy process. So I'm not surprised it didn't turn out as well as she thought. Yeah, so that's probably not a great success rate on plans like that. And then the last thing I had was I tagged you in this this morning. Um, So Aston Villa hired a new manager. You explained to me last week they don't do interns in soccer. Uh, Steven Gerrard, he had apparently an infamous slip in a game. I went back and watched the YouTube video. Uh, I'll get you to set the context for me on this. I want to get to the important part first. There were a couple people in the replies calling this uh, Aston Villa, this hiring. I'm sure it's just angry fans, but the British insults always sting harder than American. Tin <laughs> Pot Club. Uh, you best believe the next sporting event that I have no ties to, whether it's a Stars game, I'm going to start calling them a Tin Pot franchise. 
that's going in the vocabulary. What's what's going on with Aston Villa? So they they've sacked their manager, whose name I do not even know, and they hired Steven Gerrard. Who I remember him was, as a player, oddly enough. I used to play FIFA for about half a year. Oh, yeah. So you remember him. Uh, he was the manager at Rangers, which is like one of the biggest clubs in Scotland. Okay. Um, and he is a Liverpool legend. Like truly like maybe the most famous player to ever play there. Wow. I would say. I mean, so it's like if Tom Brady decided he was, you know, going to coach like the Giants or something. You know, it's a truly a Liverpool legend. It's a weird deal because – you know, like what's his upward mobility from Aston Villa? It's a pretty big club um, and Liverpool is in a pretty good situation. So it's kind of an interesting deal. Um, but I, the tin pot kettle or whatever the hell they call them, yo-yo club that, I mean. Greg Chauvin, who we're getting to in a second, yo-yo club. That might be my favorite one where you go back yeah. and forth. This is Between relegation and everything. Yeah. Which is not what they do. They, they've been up there for a while. They're, they're a pretty established club. So they always just shit on everybody like it's called ronaldo pinaldo and, and and all that shit so my mind went to the saudis can we start calling them the saudi yo-yos if they have to go back up and down we can print the shirts yeah uh, exactly Newcastle, the castle yo-yos i don't know they have a new coach i don't know who it is but they, they do have a new coach so good luck to them uh i'm sure there's no pressure for, on his life <laughs> he doesn't succeed <laughs> doesn't sound like that's a real pressure packed position in the industry all right before i let you go what do you think happened saturday night it's kind of weird. So as we mentioned, I'm going to Vegas and they don't build those beautiful casinos uh, out of winners. They build them off of losers like me. This is a stinky line. Um, it is two and a half with a ton of money and a ton of tickets on A&M. So what I'm going to assume is that A&M is going to win by two. <laughs> I think they're going to win, but not, but not cover. Um, I think Ole Miss is going to pull out a ton of stuff on offense. I think they're going to play really well. I think they're going to play their best game of the year. I really do. I think their defense is rounding in the form. Offense is getting a little bit healthier. Um, I do think that the run game from A&M is going to be tough. And their red zone defense, I think, is one of the best in the country. And that's Ole Miss is just Achilles heel recently. And I think that's where it's going to kill them. Now, the flip side is I mentioned they're going to go for a lot of fourth downs. He's going to leave it all out on the table. And if they can go for it seven times and convert five, maybe that changes the outcome of the game. But if they go for it seven times and they convert two, then you're going to lose. Um, and I, I do not think Ole Miss is going to beat A&M. I was in the same boat in Neil's picks. I hope I'm wrong. It wouldn't stun me by any means if Ole Miss won. But you got to remember, I'm taking over a last-place club that Zach Berry left me. So, I had to – that was not one I was going to spry on. But, yeah, I don't, wouldn't be stunned if Ole Miss won. But I just don't like the matchup. But, anyway, yeah. enjoy Las Vegas. Um, we will catch you on Monday. And uh, if you don't make it back and decide to stay out there and just live the kind of casino life – going from place to place, just let me know because we'll need to fill in someone for you the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I got to shape up on my card counting skills to make sure I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. We'll hire you later, dude. All right, see ya. And that was Weldon Rodenberg as we usher him off out into the desert. Uh, just say a little prayer that he makes it back because uh, I don't really feel like finding a new podcast host uh, 
for the last two weeks of the season. We'll hold open tryouts. I heard that's a big thing in the state of Mississippi this week. If Weldon decides he just wants to go live as a drifter between casino and casino out in Vegas, become one of those guys that wears like the transition lenses, uh, some sort of leather leather vest type of deal, um, you know, nodding at blackjack dealers that he sees every day, we will hold open tryouts for Weldon spot on the podcast. So how about that? I think he's going to make it back. We'll talk to him on Monday. All right, before we get to Greg's picks, I want to remind you, podcasts and all MPW digital podcasts are now brought to you by Manscaped. That's right, Manscaped. You need to join one of the over 2 million men that has trusted Manscaped to uh, get things under control down there. Manscaped uh, makes precision tools for your jewels. It is time to make me time in the bathroom your favorite time. Uh, you need to get things under control down there. Heard the 70s were a wild time. Manscaped is here to make sure that is a bygone era and help you uh, get some nice, nice, smooth boys. So check them out. The Manscaped 4.0, Lawnmower 4.0 model has a LED light, a uh, portable charger, uh, different rail guards, There's one, uh, sizes one through four. You need to check these guys out. Manscaped.com. Make sure everything is groomed and kempt down there. Check them out manscaped.com use the promo code mpw and you get 20 percent off any purchase promo code mpw check them out manscaped the ultimate company for men's grooming all right now with that in mind that's greg's favorite ad here's greg's picks all right we now welcome on greg the meat sharp jones it's another edition of fresh cut sponsored by both lbs and skybox sports picks we got skybox sports picks along for the rod for our college picks today we will pick all the SEC games, some random college games, and uh, all of the NFL games in the league where they play for pay. What's up, dude? Yeah, as always, we're ready for this weekend. Uh, got college game day and uh, Texas A&M, and uh, let's collect some money. Yeah, so what's what's the scene like in Oxford? I'll be flying in, hopefully knock on wood, everything on time, around 2.30, 3 o'clock Friday. Um some people I know going Thursday night. What's uh, is it already crowded? What's kind of the scene like there? Yeah, I mean, you know, I just got done uh, making sure it was open, and uh, it is definitely open. No, it just it's it's a good time. I mean, you know, it's uh it's gonna be here and it's ready to go. Uh, just you know, I think everybody's ready to get ready to go, and uh, it should be a good weekend. I think you are absolutely correct on that one. Before we get into our picks, what's uh. What's going on at the store this week? What uh, what do we got in preparation for what should be a gigantic weekend and a huge football game? Yeah, no, full-blown, ready to go. I just got done. I, I officially cut 125 8-ounce to 9-ounce center cut fillets. So, um, if uh, if we sell out this weekend, then touche. We're ready to go. But uh, I think it's a good weekend. I think, uh, you know, like I said, a bunch of people coming in this weekend – it's hard to come three weekends in a row. You know, last weekend was Liberty. This weekend's Texas A&M. Next weekend's uh, Vanderbilt. But I think everybody's all in on this weekend. So it should be a good weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a good time. Game day back in Oxford. First time in quite a while. Um, first time since 2014. And uh should be a good time. Chilly weekend. High of like 48. I think it'll be in the 30s around game time. So it will be a uh, certainly be a cold one. Let's uh let's just get right into it. Well, we got new horse racing this week, or what? What's what's the horse racing seems like? We had some horse racing update last week. What happened to Bob Baffert? Did he lose? Uh, actually, uh, Bob Baffert he uh he won a two year old race. 
but no, uh, Bob had a uh, semi-decent uh, weekend. But, yeah, no, the horse racing's uh, always full throw. I was at the bar tonight, and uh, I had a buddy was like, do they just run all the time? Like, yes, the, the horses always run all the time. And uh, Oakland's about to get going in early December. So uh, we might have a little podcast at, uh, in Hot Springs. Uh, but no, uh, the, hot, the, the horse racing is always good. And it's always good to uh, follow along. MC's parents have a place in Hot Springs. We can just post up there for the weekend, record all kinds of pods. I'm sure they'd just be thrilled about that free publicity for their place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure that's exactly what they're looking for on lake hamilton but uh need to do the old uh oakland deal up there i haven't done i've been to uh been to hot springs a couple of times most time just hanging out on lake hamilton hadn't done the racetrack yet yeah no lake hamilton hot springs i think that's a uh winner winner chicken dinner all right so a lot about the skybox picks as we get into this i was texting uh the guys at skybox over today and i realized they were sending me some statistics on some different things uh, that's certainly not going to help me. I can promise you that. But uh, they didn't send me their picks, so I will include those at the top of the show because we just need to go ahead and roll right into this thing. Uh, it's kind of funny. The one, <laughs> the one time – I always text them at like 2 o'clock on a Thursday. I'm like, shit, it's Thursday again. Like, sling me the picks. And the one time he they reached out to me and they're like, hey, what do we got this week? I sent them the games, and we started just conversating back and forth and then actually forgot to send the picks. So that's very on brand for how this segment comes together. A little inside baseball there that no one asked for. Let's start with uh, some SEC games. Got a bunch of them this week. Let's roll – what do you want to start with first? We'll save Ole Miss for last. <laughs> Let's start with uh, – let's go on the plains of Auburn. We will start with Auburn and Mississippi State. Auburn last week kind of gets sat on by AM. A&M had the superior defense. I wrote in Neil's picks last week that they had the slightly superior defense. A&M did. Uh, I was probably underestimating that a little. A&M's defense is good. Auburn's defense is okay. Auburn's offense is not okay. They're bad against good defenses. It is Auburn minus five and a half. Last week, State loses a heartbreaker – to Arkansas, what was by far and away the wildest game of the weekend. Um, State very could have e- very easily could have won this game. Um, and honestly, for a while, I thought they were going to, but a couple of special teams gap. They got kicking issues. Mike Leach throws his kicker under the bus. I still think State's a better football team, much better football team than they were a month ago. Um, and I think that's going to be a tough one for Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. But, you know, this line's five and a half. And I'll tell you what that doesn't bode well for is wagering on a team that makes a bunch of special teams mistakes and turns it over too much on a game like this on the road. I'm going Auburn minus five and a half. I won't overcomplicate this. If State won this game, it wouldn't stun me at all. I, I, I just can't trust them with the, their kicking situation and the quarterback, who I think is playing a ton better, his still kind of tendency to miss throws and turn the football over. I just can't trust them on the road yet until I see it. So I'm going with Auburn, but I still my thoughts haven't changed on State in terms of them being a lot better team. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep it basic and keep it clean. I like Auburn. Uh, I think Mississippi State has actually got a good club. They just, uh, you know, uh, it is what it is on their situation. So, uh, I think uh, Auburn's going to win by 10 points. Let's just roll with that. There we go. (laughs) We're definitive coming out of the gates. Let's see. Oh, here's another interesting one for much different reasons. Missouri hosting South Carolina. 
This is South Carolina is favored on the road in an SEC game in 2021. Now, mind you, they got Vanderbilt at home. So if you had known that in August that they get Vanderbilt at home, and I told you South Carolina is going to be favored on the road in an SEC game, you probably wouldn't have believed that, right? I sure as hell wouldn't have. South Carolina minus one in the other Columbia, the Battle of the Columbias, Columbia, Missouri. I got to tell you, I think Missouri is more talented, but I don't think it's by very much. Missouri's defense is horrendous. I think they've kind of quit on the year. South Carolina, after shocking Florida last week, is at five wins. I, with what's at stake and what they have coming down the pipe with Clemson, I forget who they have in the season's penultimate week. But I, I think they're going to seize the moment here. I think there's too much at stake. I think they play harder. I think South Carolina, I was about to say win this game outright. Clearly, they're a one-point favorite. I'm going South Carolina here. I think the South Carolina Gamecocks are going to go to a bowl, which is a wild thought. I'm just going to have to agree with you. Like, be straightforward and uh, basic with the with the thoughts. You know, like, I, I never thought that uh, South Carolina would win that game last week against Florida, but uh, they did. And uh, with that being said, just move on with the next week. But I, I like uh, South Carolina this week. They get Auburn in between. So they they get Auburn at home next week. Look, I'm not – I don't want to make this case prematurely, but it wouldn't 100% stun me if they somehow found a way to knock off Auburn. And then they're playing a hapless Clemson team, which that game is – where is I think that? Clemson was favored by like 40-something this week. Uh, they are. Uh, that game's in South Carolina too. So this is South Carolina's last road game. This game's in Columbia. Are we possibly looking at the uh, – Eight win South Carolina Gamecocks. I'm halfway kidding, wow. but my God, the fact that we we're even talking about them getting bowled was wild. Didn't you, uh, you you make fun of uh, the grad student transfer starting quarterback? Like, he was a GA, this, like, and then they were, had so many injuries. They're like, "Why don't you put the pads on and play quarterback?" Yeah, this is like his tenth year, and so, uh, yeah, so why, and he's not, not even starting anymore. He got knocked out and then replaced. It's it's unbelievable, and I know Shane Beamer. Weldon pointed this out on the Sunday show. Shane Beamer's <laughs> doing the whole, like, wow, I can't believe this Starting is happening to, to us. We're so far behind type of deal. Like, like we shouldn't be beating anybody. That shit won't play forever, as Weldon points out, but it's playing right now. Hell, last week at halftime, he looked at the sideline reporter and goes, man, it's nice to do these interviews when we're winning. Um, so that stick won't yeah. last for forever, but good for him, man. He's done a hell of a job. I hope they cap it off this week. So we're both on South Carolina. Is that correct? Yeah, I like it. I just think Missouri's kind of quit a little bit, and I think that Eli Drinkwitz experience in uh, Missouri is, excuse me, in Columbia, the other Columbia, is not not going according yeah, to plan. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to pull the trigger on the right hire. Let's go back to the other noon game. Alabama playing New Mexico State, so they're getting the built-in SEC November vibe. This line is 50 and a half. 65 to 10. It's a, it's a matter of – and Neil and, Je and Jeffrey both wrote this in Neil's picks, and I kind of agreed. I mean, Alabama could, Alabama could cover this if they want to, but do they want to? Like, if they're up 49 to nothing or 48 nothing with a couple minutes to go in the third quarter, why in the world is anyone in the game past, like, 35 nothing, I guess is my point. So – Take the first I, half. Yeah, uh, whatever. I can't Alabama. take – I can't take anyone minus 50 and a half. So, I'll go to New Mexico State. If I lose it, like, whatever. No one's actually going to play this game in real life, I don't think. Uh, unless someone has some ridiculous – I mean, the spread. The spread is yeah, 50 I mean, and a half, and the over-under is 66. 
Yeah, I mean, I would think Alabama first half, but not really. No, that's Maybe. probably the play. What the? But the the half the half is twenty. That's got to be around 27, 20, probably twenty six, twenty seven. Man, like that's some degenerate stuff right there. That that you're damn right about that. So I'll go with New Mexico State, the Fighting Eli Johnsons. How about that? Yeah, I mean, like he always gives good answers. Yeah, David Johnson's kids out there now. Whatever, I'll go with the uh, the Fighting Fighting Eli Johnsons. I don't know Alabama. Like I, mean, I said. I, could score 100 if they want to, but they, like, they don't want to. I mean, 55 to 10 is what I'm hoping for. Yeah, so we're both on uh, New Mexico State there, which is just a wild, wild sentence. Let's go to Kentucky Vanderbilt next. Kentucky, uh, clearly severely overrated. You know, credit to Josh Heupel and what Tennessee's been able to do this year. It's already a raging success in year one. They have tough sledding this week against uh, against Georgia. But they just went in there and beat Kentucky. And I know Kentucky kind of got screwed in a couple of officiating deals, but that's certainly not why they lost that game. And Tennessee just proved to be better. And Kentucky did this whole thing again where, you know, they got a pretty stout-looking defense. They're pretty benign offensively, and they kind of trick you through an easier month of September of like, oh, this team's the real deal. Right, so their two signature wins are Florida and LSU. And, my God, look at the state of those two programs right now. So they don't really carry in the teeth, which is – you know, lesson number 1,000, don't really take what you see in September as something that's going to be relevant, you know, two months from now. We really don't know a whole lot about this stuff. Well, in college football, you really don't even know a whole lot about it nine weeks in, much less five. But you get my point. I think kind of knee-jerk reactions early in the season are often uh, are often often pretty useless, right? Because we thought – I mean, I didn't think State would win four games after watching them against La Tech and against Memphis, but – Anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent. It's Kentucky minus 21 and a half on the road. I don't love this spot. This is a stay away central to me, but I, I can't take Vanderbilt with any good conscience. So, I'll, whatever, Kentucky minus 21 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to have to agree with you. Uh, I just – I like horses. Okay. There we go. God, yeah. we got that out there. I just – I mean, you know, I just was trying to keep it basic. Uh Vanderbilt is, uh, you know, Vanderbilt actually has given up some good uh, games, but no, I just, I, I, man, what a terrible game. I think I'm, uh, me, uh, me and the uh, Butcher versus Spin Instructor, we call this the uh, the Grey Goose half gallon game. So uh, this is the Grey Goose half gallon game. So with that being said, I, I, I just think Kentucky's going to win by more than 22 points. 22 points. I can't really disagree with that one. No need to spend a ton of time on that. 230 CBS game. Big week for Josh Heupel and his program in year one, as we just outlined. They have Georgia coming to Knoxville. This was at 20 and a half when I picked it in Neil's picks. It's now at 20. I, Tennessee looks really, really enticing here, uh, to be honest, because I Georgia, as good as their defense is, they haven't played a real offense yet. You think about it, Florida, Kentucky, that's really about it. They haven't played anyone with a good offense. I mean, Clemson's offense is anemic. I think I think Tennessee could score enough points to win this game, but I'm just not sure they do, and I'm not sure how they can block uh, Georgia's defensive front, and I think that's what it comes down to. So, like, as much as I want to say that this game's like 24-17 going into the halfway through the third quarter and ends up like 35-17 and Tennessee covers, I just can't do that with Tennessee's offensive line even though I think Tennessee is actually a pretty decent football team that just lacks some depth. So I'm going to go Georgia here in a game that's like 
I don't know, 42 to 17, and Georgia's offense doesn't play that well, but they get two short fields because a couple brutal turnovers type of deal. So I'll take Georgia here, but I don't feel great about it. Well, I mean, I'll just take uh, Tennessee then uh, just to make you feel real uncomfortable about it. Okay. Uh, I I mean, I just think that, uh, you know, it just seems like Tennessee's improving each week and, uh, you know, they haven't had the uh, wins and, uh, you know, they – they squeak somehow they win that Ole Miss game. Uh, they're a different team, but I just think uh, it's a it's a late quarter touchdown to cover it. I like it. I don't hate that at all. I don't have much confidence in that. That might be one of those where your boy switches his pick when he starts talking himself into Tennessee about 45 minutes before kickoff. Last SEC game of the week, unless I no before the Ole Miss game, obviously we're not going to do that again. I'm not I'm not forgetting Ole Miss again. I promise. But the last other one, 6.30 kickoff, LSU hosting Arkansas. Uh, Credit to LSU last week, man. They played with a hell of a lot of effort and legitimately had a real shot to beat Alabama. And you can make the argument. I hate using the word would, could, and should when talking about a sport as stupid as college football. And I – well, with that being said, LSU, if they had a decent coordinator – they should have won that game. I, I would put that in the category of should, not would. And if you're, like, thinking that's ridiculous, what are you talking about? You didn't watch the game. LSU very much should have won this game with the way Alabama played. That said, I'm not sure how much they have left in the tank. It is LSU plus three at home, which feels juicy, but I'm actually going to go the other way. I think Sam Pittman in Arkansas, I'm going to take the coaching mismatch here. I think Arkansas covers the minus three and gets out of there with the win. I'm just not sure LSU has much left after – you know, kind of expending that much energy and coming out with the loss in Tuscaloosa. Credit to them. I was shocked by that result. Um, I actually stayed at a bar 25 minutes longer late to a concert to watch the end of this game last week. But I'm going to Arkansas. I'm not buying LSU two weeks in a row. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I like Arkansas too. I mean, like it just uh, – even if uh, – I don't know, just something fishy about that Alabama-LSU game. Just uh, – I think Alabama could have won by three touchdowns, but they wanted to just, uh, you know, fish in the hole with LSU there. I don't know. I I just like Arkansas. I think Sam Pittman's a a good hire for them and everything. K.J. Jefferson's playing really good at quarterback, and uh, I just see that uh, I uh, I think it's a good spot for Arkansas here. Yeah, I think this is too, and they Arkansas, you know, you could make the argument, one, they're lucky to get on the right side of a coin flip game. They're on the wrong side against it old miss. At the same time, like, you lose that game, and it's like, what actually are you as a program? I think they make good on that last week's win and kind of parlay it into, you know, another win this week. Not that the two have anything to do with each other, but just in terms of, like, the intangible momentum aspect. I think Arkansas wins this game. Um, Let's see here real quick. That, oh, Ole Miss, excuse me, Ole Miss A&M. So we got the final SEC game before we bounce around a little bit. This is now two and a half. It is Ole Miss plus two and a half at home against Texas A&M. Uh, I hate to be the Debbie Downer guy here, and I hope for the sake of everyone listening out there, and most people listening out there, I hope I'm wrong. I think this is a terrible matchup for Ole Miss, as you heard me preview with Weldon before we got to this segment. I just think A&M runs the ball really well. The offensive line is really rounding into form. And I'm just not sure Ole Miss has the horses both on defense to stop their run. And I'm not sure who's going to play at receiver. And I just can't feel good about taking Ole Miss. I'm going with A&M minus the two and a half. 
Yeah, I mean, like uh, Neil McCready came in today and he goes, man, it would be so awesome if Ole Miss was healthy and see what this game, how, how the dice rolled on this game. And, uh, man, you know, it, it's tough not to bet against uh, – uh, Texas A&M in this because like it seemed like you know they found something with the uh the backup quarterback beating Alabama and whatnot. But I mean, man, just somehow, some way, I think Ole Miss gets it done. Uh, maybe somebody. I mean, you know, uh, Sanders maybe plays. Uh, maybe somebody just shows up and uh, gets it done. But I, I just can't not go against uh, Ole Miss here. I'm gonna take Ole Miss. Jeffrey Wright, who's better at gambling than me, took Ole Miss and called it a gut play. Again, it wouldn't stun me if Ole Miss won, but I think Ole Miss's path to victory is much slimmer. And if Ole Miss wins, it's one of those games where Kiffin and Lebby kind of pull the other side's pants down from a schematic perspective. And uh, so I I I don't know. I just think Ole Miss – I don't like the matchup, and I think their path to victory is a little bit narrow. We have breaking news. Not really, but we have Skybox's picks delivered halfway through the pod. So let's catch them up and let's ride with them for these non-conference games. You ready? Oh, good. Thank you. Yes. So they're on the New Mexico State plus 15 and a half. So they're not taking Alabama. They're on Mississippi State plus five and a half at Auburn. Oh, okay. They're on Georgia minus 20 against uh, against Tennessee on the road. They're actually taking Missouri. That might be the grossest one. Actually, they got a couple more coming down the pipe. They're on Missouri. They're on Ole Miss. And they're on LSU. How about that? That tells me wow. I'm about to have a terrible week. Oh, man. Uh, um, man, I'm about to go open up this new bottle that I just got. I'm in on it. <laughs> okay. Which I'm the worst podcast host of all time, by the way. I forgot to review our records from last week. You absolutely murdered it in college. You went eight and three and then seven and six. Wow. In the NFL. I was a disgrace in college. I was two and eight, but I made up for it by going – what is this nine and four in the NFL? You were seven and six. So you banner week for you. Uh, we, so we both profited in the, uh, in the NFL, you crushed it in college and I got absolutely destroyed, but I had a nice little NFL run there on Sunday, but I just wanted to get that out there real quick. Anyway. So I caught skybox up. I don't believe I missed any of those games. Uh, one, two, three, <coughs> four, five, six. No, we're good to go on that. So now we get to the other non-conference games. Here we go. We're going to start in the Big Ten. Penn State, who I don't understand how the college football playoff committee didn't rank Penn State. They put Auburn and they put um, what they put Auburn 18th and then they put someone else 17th. I'm about to make sure I have this correctly because I didn't understand this at all. I think they put Iowa 17th. No, that's not anyway. I'm gonna screw this up. How do you rank Auburn but not Penn State? Is my point. Yeah, no, I think Penn, uh, I think I, I read a tweet that said somebody was uh, Penn State was like, How are we not ranked in the top 25? And then somebody replied back, Is like, You lost uh, at home to Illinois. They put Wisconsin 17, Auburn 18, and Penn State owns wins over both of them. I didn't understand that. They're plus one and a half at home against Michigan. Everything tells me in my gut here to take Penn State because you got to trust Jim Harbaugh in big games. But I think Penn State's run defense is vulnerable, and I think Michigan can run the ball against them. And, boy, Harbaugh, if he had better win this game setting up a you know a matchup with Ohio State in a couple of weeks. I don't know why, but I think they kind of run them over here, and I think this is like a 27-17 game. So I'm going to go Michigan. 
I love Michigan here. So uh, just uh, keep it clean, keep it simple. Uh, Michigan, Michigan should get this done. Skybox is on Michigan as well. Let's keep it yeah. moving. We're going to go in the Big 12 here. Baylor, plus five and a half. Now, I think we got this at six when I skinned it to Skybox. So we'll go Baylor plus six at home against Oklahoma. This feels like a nice, sexy spot for Baylor here, but I'm actually going to fade it. I think Baylor is pretty good against teams that are rather lethargic on offense. If you can stop one thing, they're pretty good at it. But TCU kind of ran it and threw it on them, and that wasn't necessarily used TCU's M.O., and I think that kind of shocked them a little bit, and they lose last week. I think Oklahoma has figured some things out. I believe they're going to get three starters back on the defensive side of the football this week. So I'm going to go Oklahoma minus six here against my better judgment because this is a juicy spot to take Baylor. Yeah, I, I like Baylor because it, you just said, how juicy is this spot can you get? So I like a good juicy spot. So I'm in on <laughs> Baylor. Skybox is with you. Skybox is on Baylor as well. We got a couple more college games before we get to the league where they, uh, to quote the great Mike Francesa, where they play for pay. Um, let's go. Where are we going next? I'm trying to find this Purdue line is actually what I'm trying to do. Purdue has Ohio state Purdue spoiled Michigan state's not spoiled their season. Tw- uh, I think in, 20 and a half. Now it's up to 21. So Purdue spoils Michigan state's kind of Cinderella run last week. Uh, Michigan state undefeated. They go and lose to Purdue. Now Purdue's going on the road to an Ohio state team who about three weeks ago, I thought it figured it out, but kind of got in a little bit of a dog fight with not kind of, they got in a huge dog fight with, uh, Penn State two weeks ago, and then barely made it out against Nebraska last week. I think Nebraska's a better football team than their record shows. Much, much better, actually, if you watch them. Man, this is a tough one because I think Purdue's a sucker play, but I think I'm going to say take my money anyway. This is 21 points. This is too many points, particularly with the issues Ohio State has had in the secondary early on in the season. I know they figured out a little bit, but Purdue's going to play this game balls to the walls, right? So I'm going Purdue plus 21. Yeah, I mean, I think Purdue's actually playing really good ball. And, like, to eat, remotely think about getting 14, much less 20-some-odd points, I I like Purdue here. So, uh, I think – I mean, if, if I lose 55 to 14, then so be it. Life goes on. Where's the wisdom there? Um, yeah. Skybox is on Purdue as well. So, I feel pretty good about that one. We're going to go NC State and Wake this week. And that game, I believe, is in Wake. So, Wake's run also comes to an end last week. They were undefeated. They lose to North Carolina in a crazy game. I'll tell you what. I watched college game day last week pretty much to its entirety. I woke up about 8 in the morning. I got MC and I coffee. I sat down on the couch. I watched about – I hadn't watched a full college game day, I think, since I was a kid. And I sat down and I watched most of it. And I was sitting there thinking, I had a lot of thoughts about Lee Corso. And look, he's old, and yes, they're kind of dragging him around like a mascot now. I get that he wants to do it. I don't mean to make it sound like that. But clearly, he's old, and he doesn't have many more of these left. But you know what he hasn't completely done? Is go outdated to where he doesn't know anything uh, about college football. Like, he hasn't entered the Bill Walton stratosphere, if you know what I'm getting at. Not that uh, Lee Corso does drugs, because Bill Walton, uh, when does he not do drugs? (laughs) But you get what I'm getting at where he's just gone old and he's lost it. And he said right for that weight game, he said, nope, not so – whoever the guest picker was, he goes, not so fast. North Carolina wins this outright and take the over. And guess what happened? Yeah. 
North Carolina won 58-55. So my man Lee was on top of that. I don't know how the rest of his picks ended up, but he was very much – I don't know. He just seems a lot more – like he sounds like the kooky old man, but when you listen to his picks and his rationale, he doesn't articulate them there, but he's actually with it with college football more than you think. So there's my Lee more so stumping for the week. I, I, I mean, I, I really think that we just invented a uh, TV show. Uh, you know, the long, strange trip with uh, Bill Walton and Lee Corso, like what the, the, the long, you, you know, I think that would be a great TV show. Look, you know, they, the, the, the long last strange trip with Bill Walton and Lee Corso, you know, they go and uh, tour the Pac-10 uh, schools and everything. And just, you know, I think that'd be great. We uh, so I think you could leave Corso sober. I think you just let Walton trip and let him hang out together. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, that, really? Uh, this you're over. You're over. Uh, you're over complicating it. All you, all we have to do is get them in the same place together. Is what you're saying? Oh man, it would be great. I mean, like just Lee Corso. There's a couple things that sometimes, and you're like, oh, he's sober. You're like, he really is sober. Uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then you you see uh. Golly, man, there's a couple things that uh, Bill Walton says about the Stanford trees. And, uh, oh, man, it, I, I think that'd be a great show. Lee Corso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my best friend from college and I, we lived together in school for three years, every year that we learned in the dorm. Last couple of years, we had this house off the square. And, like, when we didn't go out on Thursday nights, it was appointment television to watch the late night Pac-12 game with Bill Walton. And read into this what you will, but we would quote unquote vibe oh, with man. Bill Walton a little bit on Thursday nights, and that was some of the most fun oh. I've ever had. Is just watching a game you don't give a shit about. You're not necessarily in the uh, headspace to be locked in per se. Wink, wink, and, <laughs> and just listen oh, to the ridiculous man. shit that man says. It's a ton of fun. I think Bill Walton, like a lot of things. Uh, if you if you hate Bill Walton, look, I get it. You don't like. There's people that are not as as his cup of tea. But if you're just constantly tweeting about how much you hate Bill Walton, you probably take yourself a little too seriously. Oh but, man, come on. Yeah, I why, love Bill Walton. Uh, like, you know, why would like, anybody want to hate Bill Walton? I think because they've probably never been offered anything in their life. It's probably actually another good problem. Uh, We've spent too much time on Bill Walton talk. It is Wake Forest minus one and a half against. Uh, NC State before we got on that tangent. I think Wake gets right this week. I actually think that NC State's a better football team, but I think the home game powers them to a win here. So I'm going to go Wake. I'm going to I'm going to agree with you. I like Wake too. Uh, Skybox is on NC State. We have one more college game, and that is TCU plus twelve going to Oklahoma State. Uh, TCU, like shout out to him last week. Interim coach Jerry Kill. I didn't think they had much left in the tank. I picked against them. And they beat Baylor at home. And what was a huge win after Gary Patterson was let go. I think their real luck runs out this week. I don't know much about either of these teams in terms of a matchup perspective and how they like square off against one another. I'm going to go Oklahoma state. I don't think they're necessarily out of this whole big 12 thing yet. And no one's really talking about them. I'm going to go Oklahoma state minus 12. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you. I I like Oklahoma state here. I think they're going to wear some fancy uh, Oklahoma state's going to wear some fancy helmets. Look, look into that. 
there we go. So Skybox is on TCU. I am not sure Skybox and I have been on the same pick in a single one. So that they're the professionals. I can tell you that's not going to bode well for your boy. But you know what? I'm bold. I don't need these nerds. Uh, they were explaining to me their method and the math process. And I was like, get that shit out of here. I wake up every morning and decide who I'm mad at. And that's who I bet against. Um, <laughs> it's probably not Manchester, Ma- Manchester United. Um, before we get to the NFL, I want to go ahead and get Skybox free plays out of there um, because they don't ride with us in the NFL because they have to actually sell picks. Their free plays in the NFL are the Cleveland Browns, New England Patriots over 45 and Minnesota plus three and a half against – I actually don't even know who Minnesota is playing. We'll get to that in a second. But Vikings plus three and a half. NC State is uh, a free play they're offering – for college and then the coastal Georgia state over 52 and a half. So those are the four free plays for skybox Cleveland, new England over 45. And then the Vikings, I'll just look it up real quick. The Vikings are plus three and a half against. Well, how I can't even find it. Well, that's a lock. Do they play this week? Oh, it's even bigger lock. <laughs> We're gonna have to. Uh, I think they're on a buy. Uh, I love it. And wait, wait a minute. This might be a mixed bag. I apologize. This I, I might be reading this wrong, but I'm. We're gonna clarify with Skybox and come back to this. Um, we'll tweet. We'll tweet about it. No Chargers. Sorry, I just couldn't find it on this thing. I don't know why I couldn't find that. Plus three and a half on the road at the Chargers. So they're going to LA. I knew I had that wrong. I just couldn't. Some oh their lines off the board. What, what what funny business is going on there? Anyway, I just uh, this is terrible. You, podcast. You so that there's the free plays. Let's get to the league where they play for pay. I just screwed that up royally, but we roll on. We forge onward. All right, here we go. Here's a gross one out of the gates. New England, or excuse me. <laughs> now I'm thrown off. Indianapolis Colts hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars pulled the upset of the NFL season last week. 14 and a half point underdogs. They beat the Buffalo Bills outright and don't allow a touchdown. They win nine to six. You could say they won six to nine. Nice. I don't know what to make of this game. This feels like a game where a lot of the dumb dumbs in the public are going to be like, you know what? Jacksonville playing a lot better. Let's take the Jacksonville Jaguars here. And the Sharps, I would guess without looking at it, probably on the Colts. I want to take the Jags here. Because I don't trust Carson Wentz. I think he'll turn it over a couple times. But I'm actually all over the Colts here. Because you know what the Colts do against bad teams? You saw it on Thursday Night Football last week. They destroy bad teams. Yeah, I mean, like, I was just kind of curious how many suicide pools got uh, broken down last week whenever uh, they take the Bills and they lose to Jacksonville. The suicide pools, you, you, you heard about those? You talking about breaking table? No, what suicide pool? Yeah, so, uh, well, you take, you don't, you, no spread involved or anything like that. You take, you, you know. Oh, you, oh, the eliminator pools. I know what you're getting. Yeah, eliminator. Oh, yeah, absolutely eliminator. Yeah. all of them had to be screwed. Yeah, surely. Like, can you imagine, like, getting to what week is this? Week 11? No, week 10. Week 10. Yeah, and you have Buffalo, you're like, Oh, I'm going to take Buffalo against Jacksonville. I'm money in the bank. And, like, 
you just somehow get broken down like that. I would be sick to my stomach. I mean, like, oh, man, that'd be so brutal. And the way that game went, how many times were the Bills on, like, the Jaguars 45 where it's like, all right, just kick a field goal, get this into overtime, and, like, like quit fooling around, and it would be a sack or a turnover. I mean, they were in plus territory, like, early plus territory, what, like, nine times to quote the uh, great Edward R. Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, so like, brutal. It was a <laughs> terrible game to watch if you had the Bills. Uh, but I'm going to go Colts here. I just – I'm going to outsmart Yeah, I'm, right I'm going to go with Colts too, but I'm just saying, like, can you imagine, like, oh, I've got, I've, I've got the Bills here. They, they're like 10, 10 and two, uh, but yeah, that would be, that would suck to be an eliminator pool and get Jackson and and lose to Jacksonville on that. Very quality early game here. We got the New England Patriots hosting the Cleveland Browns. You know, I made this big deal about how Cincinnati's going to get back on track. Baker Mayfield's hurt. Don't love the Browns. Well, then they cut OBJ. And they're a better offense, and they've statistically been a better offense for the entire time OBJ had been in Cleveland. Now he's reportedly signing with the Los Angeles Rams. But the Browns looked awesome last week, and that was a little bit self-inflicted by Cleveland by the Bengals. If you watch this game, Burrow takes them all the way down on the opening drive. They get to the one-yard line. He throws a pick on like a little out route, and they take it 99 yards to the house, and the Browns go up 7 nothing. Never look back. A lot of self-inflicted wounds, but I think that was a little bit of a reminder of how much talent Cleveland has on the defensive side of the football. I mean, shit, I forgot for six weeks that Jadavion Clowney. Out of all those guys on that Cleveland defensive line, Jadavion Clowney is a Brown. This is an interesting game because I, I'm a believer in the Patriots now. I think they kind of know their identity. But this is a, you know, in terms of run the ball, run the ball, make simple throws type of deal. This is a tough defense to do it against. That being said, I think I'm going to stick with the, I'm going to go with the coaching mismatch here. I like the New England Patriots minus two and a half here. And I think I'm going to use my first lock. So I'm locking the Patriots against the Browns minus two and a half in Foxborough. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm just going to make it basic, simple. Uh, you just said the, the key, the key word was, coaching uh you know just Belichick uh has got the be- the mind over the matter on this and uh I like I like uh like New England here that might not be the most glamorous game or entertaining from a like a point standpoint but that's going to be a fascinating one I'm uh I'm interested to kind of get locked into that um oh we uh, I meant to remind you you've been uh you've been skimpy on the locks you haven't been uh not say look, there are no rules here. You don't have to use all your locks, but I'm just reminding you, you have five in the holster. I'm gonna have to get in on the locks. I'll I'll, I'll make sure I do all five locks this week. Okay. There we go. Next one. Um <laughs> next one we got oh Dallas Cowboys hosting the Atlanta Falcons. This smells like the trap game and a half. You know why? Because Dallas had one of those, you know, there's always good because I think Dallas is a good team. Uh as much as everyone loves to dump on the Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys believer this year. That defense with Trayvon Diggs is really good, and I think this offense has so many weapons. Last week they had kind of one of those, like, how does this result make any sense, where Denver comes into Arlington and just kind of boat racism. I don't think this happens two weeks in a row, but it's coming against the team I can't quit, and it's Dallas minus eight and a half against the Atlanta Falcons. I know by the time this kicks off I'm going to go with the Falcons, but on record – for this show, I'm going the Dallas Cowboys because they're no, this is not happening two weeks in a row, and I don't think Atlanta's good. Well, I'm going to go with Atlanta with that being said. I just – Tell with it. Was, I'm changing it. Atlanta, I can't quit them. 
I think that was very casual for you to say that you were going to take Atlanta whenever. I was trying to be uh, smart. Yeah, no, uh, there's no smart involved, you know. Like well, the this, other part of it is, I won on Atlanta last week. They beat the Saints. Yeah, I mean, they well, never they, they never work out down. two weeks in a row. This is a death knell. They almost melted down against the Saints. The Saints were actually covering that game before. I think what was that? A two and a half? No, no, no. That no. was at six. The Falcons were always covering. Oh, they just yeah, weren't always yeah. winning. Yeah. Oh man, uh, I cannot believe I'm taking the Falcons, but yeah, I'll take it. You just talked me into it too. So that I'm going to put two losses on you if that ends up. <laughs> well, I'll take a. Uh, hey, I'll I'll put my lock in on the Falcons here. Locking the Falcons. We're just getting absolutely reckless here. Uh, if you have a half a brain out there, take the Dallas Cowboys. They're not going to lose to in double digit, not double digit. Well, last week was over a touchdown at home. They're not going to blow that two weeks in a row. I think the, uh, I think the um, Cowboys destroy them. And I'm going to look up at like 1235 after I've taken this ridiculous 730 AM flight out of Oxford back to DFW on Sunday. And like, why did I, why did I do this with the Falcons? But whatever, I can't quit them. Here's another no, gross like, one. Oxford, Jets you're, at you're home. Leaving Oxford. Yeah, the, the only flight I could get out that wasn't the the airlines are a scam. Breaking news there. So I tried to they so on our outward flight got one o'clock on Friday. Whatever, nice nice flight about three four hundred bucks. Well, the where they get you is on the return flight. If you don't pick the 7.30 a.m. option and the 6 a.m. option, they jack up the prices. And normally they jack it up by about 300 bucks. Do you know what the 11 a.m. flight was out of Sunday, what that made round trip and coach? Ooh. Four weeks ago, 1,200 bucks. Oh, American Airlines. So your boy might just pull an all-nighter, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, um, wow. uh, a, yeah, just disgusting. And the only other option that wasn't just completely surged was 9.30 at night, and I'm just not doing that with work the next day. But no one cares about that. Jets plus 12 at home against the Bills. This feels like you hammer the Bills, doesn't it? They're not doing this to They didn't score a touchdown last week. They're the NFL's best offense. You know what the dangerous tease play here is, Greg? Bills plus – or Bills minus five. Tease that down to five, and then you tease the Cowboys down to one or one and a half. Oh, man, let's just do it. Right now. So, uh, I'm going uh, Bills minus the 12, though, and I don't like taking big spreads like that. What, well, as we do this podcast, I'll literally do this teaser as we, we, we talk. So, are you on Bills, though? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, why not? I mean, there's no way. That, uh, I think – I just think the the uh, the NFL and the NBA is just almost like becoming set up and, like, there there's just no way – Jacksonville has a shot last week, and somehow they win nine to six. And normally, when you get a stupid result, the other team corrects itself majorly the next week. The better team. We're about to be at odds here. We have Saints Titans this week in Nashville. Saints minus three. I'll tell you what, Greg. I, I it's been. A, I'm a self-loathing Tennessee Titans fan. I've pretty much admitted a time after time. If you listen to this show for a while. The Titans, when they lose, like it doesn't ruin my Sunday, but I am like as close to invested as a professional sports team as anything as I like that Titans are the closest thing I have to it. Like I make it a point to try to watch pretty much all their games. Now, if they're in the noon slate against the Jets or something, the main TV is going on red zone and the Titans are on the second one type of deal. 
So I'm not like a diehard. I know there's a lot of Saints fans that listen to this podcast that are probably like very loyal Saints fans. It's not the same type of deal, but I grew up going to games. I love the Titans. Last week was about as proud of a Titans moment as we had. That's not fair. The 2019 run to the AFC Championship was pretty sick. But just in terms of a regular season game and them kind of showing some nuts, that was the most proud Titans moment of the last half decade. You lose Derrick Henry, you're going to play in this juggernaut offense in the Rams, and you just kick the shit out of them for three and a half quarters. It was awesome. And, you know, as much as I like to dump on the Titans, Mike Vrabel kind of embodies, embodies the Belichick mold where they just always win tough, gritty games. And he's a, that, that's something I can get behind. Like, that's a lot of fun to have a team to root for. Mike Vrabel has made the Titans a very awesome product to watch. Just for They always just – like, they have flaws. They have games where they go up and lose to the Jets in New York and stuff like that where they're shorthanded. But these, like, games where you're like, how are the Titans going to recover from this? Vrabel always comes out with his best punch when he has his back up against the wall. And that's my Titans rant for the week. I'm hammering the Titans minus three with a lock because you give me Trevor Simeon against that Titans defense now, and I am uh, hammering it. So Titans minus three. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here trying not to agree with you, but, like, uh, man, I'm trying to think. The the travel play last week, I think, went undefeated. Uh, Titans was playing at the the Rams, right? Yes. There was a bunch of like uh, where it was like a travel rule where like the home team lost. Man, uh, for some strange reason, I I just I just like the Titans the way they're playing. And, uh, you know, New Orleans is confused. And uh, I know that, you know, whenever I I played Mr. GM and got and told them to get um, uh Mark Ingram back and they got him back and they played good and they ended up winning against Tampa Bay and they laid an egg against Atlanta last week. But uh, I, I just, I, I'm going to go against the uh, Saints here and I think the Titans are a better club in this situation. Wow, that sounds like some reverse juju. Yeah, right. You're right. Never going against the Saints. Okay. So now I feel terrible about my pick. I'd have felt better if you'd have uh, picked the Saints. <laughs> We're well, I mean, I, I I picked up uh, in the fantasy. I picked up um, what running back? Uh, what what's the running back options that the Titans have? McLaurin, not McLaurin. There's uh, some kind of. I picked up one of the running backs, and uh, he he only had a couple carries, and then Adrian Peterson got the touchdown. So uh, it's kind of it is what it is, but. I picked up one of those running backs that were replaced uh, <laughs> Jeremy McNichols and the Titans McNichols. had a little dirty little secret. Like the Titans didn't run the ball well last week. That was another weird part of it. Their defense just kind of balled. Yeah, no, I, I think we, we need to feed McNichols. I picked him up on the waiver wire. Like, give me some love. <laughs> All right. So you're against your hometown saints there. We got two more early games before we get to the late window. Tampa Bay going on the road rematch of the wild card weekend last year. Because the seven and nine Washington football team, if you'll remember, with Taylor Heineke hosted the eventual Super Bowl champs, Tom Brady and the Bucks. It is Bucks minus nine. I have no idea why I remember this. Actually, I know exactly why I remember this, but that's a story for another day. Pretty much an eerily similar line. It was about eight last year in the playoff game. Now it's nine. I have no feel for this, but I'm going to go with the Washington football team. I think this is too many points at home. 
So uh, the Washington football team is getting plus nine in Washington against the uh, against the Buccaneers. I mean, the Buccaneers is not—they've not really played that well. I mean, you know, aren't they coming off a bye week? Or no? They are, which does not help my argument. Yeah. All right. Even better. Let's go with the Washington football. Is the Washington football team ever going to get a name? I I I would prefer them keep it as the football team. I kind of dig it. Yeah, no, I was just kind of curious, you know. I mean, you know, not hating against it. I was just like I said, if they're going to be the football team, so we just might as well keep calling them with that. I'm I'm going to go with them. I like the Washington football team this week. Okay, there we go. We're both on the football team plus nine. Last early game. This is a gross one. Pittsburgh Steelers had to. No, they're hosting Detroit Lions plus eight. I don't even love the Steelers here, but I just – I don't think the Lions have a ton left in the tank. I don't really understand a whole lot about Detroit, and I'm done wasting money on them, so I'll go Steelers minus eight. I don't have a lot of thoughts on this game. Yeah, I mean, I think the Steelers were – did they cover last week? No, the uh, they had it in the bag for a lot of the game, and then once the officials decided to stop absolutely royally jobbing the Chicago Bears, the Bears covered. Steelers won, though. Yeah, I think it was by two or something like that. It was anyway. It was a terrible Monday night game. Yes, it was. What are uh, you lean? I, what are you leaning here? I'm going Steelers minus eight. Don't love it, but whatever. I'm gonna go with with you on that. I like the Steelers too. I'm actually gonna lock it up. Fuck it. Fuck it. We'll do it. There we go. Skybox free play here. Uh, game. L.A. Chargers minus three against the Minnesota Vikings. Here's an interesting deal because L.A. Chargers, they go on the road and they get a win against a bad Eagles team last week, but that run defense for the Chargers is still very bad. This is minus three at home. Dalvin Cook, I know he's got some legal issues, but I think he's playing in this game. This feels like a Kirk Cousins game where their back's up against the wall and they somehow win this inexplicably. I have no idea why I'm doing this. I'm going to go Minnesota Vikings money line lock even though I like the Chargers and Herbert. Wow. So you think it is Cook playing or no? I think. I, nothing's come out yet suggesting he won't. I know that's pretty I'll, – I'll, 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 you do your thing. I'll Google it real quick. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the Chargers, but, like, I've got uh, – what's, what's the Vikings uh, backup mattresses? Yes, I picked him up too. I've got him, so I'm kind of curious on this. If you could keep googling as we keep, ran, I keep out randomly talking about this. I do it like. Sounds like he's going to play. So, oh, Dalvin Cook is good. Yeah, so now I feel better about my pick. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take uh, I'll take the Chargers because, like, I think I don't have any other options, and I'm hoping that Dalvin Cook doesn't play. And I can start my guy, and he gets good points, and maybe the Chargers win. Okay, so let's go that. There we go. Wishful thinking. Got to love it. All right, we're getting in the late slate here. Let's see. We got a couple games to get to kind of a weaker late slate. I don't know. Some of these games are okay. Carolina, heading to the desert to play Arizona. It's Arizona minus 10. All kinds of quarterback issues, and the – Carolina Panthers, I don't know if you saw this day, Greg, signed Cam Newton. That tells you what they think of Cam Darnold. Sam Darnold, Cam Darnold, my God. Sam Darnold, 
they're going back to the uh, old ex-girlfriend, Cam Newton. Clearly, he's not going to play this week, but I'm curious to see what this means over the next couple weeks. Arizona minus 10. There's no reason to pick the Panthers here. I don't think, other than it just being a sheer lot of points. I just think it's too many points, I guess, is my logic. So I'm actually going to go Panthers minus 10, even though I don't see this game being close. This, to me, is a 13-point game the whole game, and there's just like a garbage-time touchdown deal. Uh, in a league, you know, I've seen a lot of takes around the NFL over the last two weeks. So, like, every team's flawed. There is no great team in the NFL. I agree with that sentiment for the most part but we're just sleeping on the Arizona Cardinals because they haven't done anything yet. No one really believes in Cliff Kingsbury. You know, Kyler Murray hasn't done anything in the playoffs yet. He hasn't made the playoffs yet. I think everyone assumes he's going to get hurt, which happened last week. But they went to San Francisco last week with Colt McCoy and kicked the shit out of the 49ers for the first two and a half quarters of that game. So while the I get the popular thing to say is everyone's flawed this year in the NFL – and there's not one great team. Are we sure Arizona's just not better than most everyone else? I don't think that means guaranteed Super Bowl, but are we sure they're not by far and away the best team in the NFL and we just don't want to give them credit because they haven't done anything? And I say all that to say because I took the Panthers plus 10, but I'm high on the Cardinals. I just think this is too many points. Yeah, I mean, you got to watch out for those cocaine Cardinals. The cocaine Uh, Cardinals, baby. (laughs) I mean, you know, uh, we need to probably do that bumper sticker, the cocaine Cardinals, baby. Uh, With that being said, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, signing Cam Newton maybe is like the uh, reassurance of like the the ex-girlfriend, you know, saying that, hey, I'm back and we're everything's good, but. I just like Arizona in this situation. I think they're they're one of the you know the best teams in the NFC, and uh, I think they're going to be playing uh, maybe for the Super Bowl here in this situation. I think that's actually a pretty good bet too if they can stay healthy. They're good, man, and I I, I know I keep saying this as someone who has just gone against them, but how it's a ten point line. They're good, and I think last week was every bit as a statement win as anything. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, the first week whenever they were playing the Titans and uh, the defensive end that had like three or four sacks and uh, I think he turned down a contract or something like that just to stay and uh, had just an awesome game. I was like, man, these, these guys are pretty legit. Yeah, Titans got them in week one and got absolutely shellacked. Um, here's an interesting one. Russell Wilson makes his return to Lambeau Field this week to play the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, immunized Aaron Rodgers, not to be confused with vaccinated Aaron Rodgers, is presumably back this week. It is Green Bay. I want to make sure I have this right. Minus three. Okay, yeah, minus three. Who, buddy, this is tough. I want to believe this is a game where Russell Wilson, the Seahawks have to have a win here or they're kind of screwed pull one out of his ass, but I just think Green Bay's too talented, and I think the Rodgers thing, as much as the media want, you know, Trent Dilfer had a good take on this on Rusillo's podcast this week, as much as uh, as much as, uh, you know, people wanted to make media-wise of the uh, of the whole vaccination deal, Trent Dilfer was like, most of those guys in the locker room are probably going to respond well to it, because it has nothing to do with vaccination. It's like, hey, we're sticking it to the man. They kind of hate the NFL, the no-fun league. They control everything. So I'm going to go Packers minus three here and lock it. I think they're just a much better football team, and I think there's some value in this line. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to have to agree with you and lock it at the same time. We just don't have to uh, even talk about it. This is very simple. There we go. <laughs> Here's what it is. This will be a fascinating game. Uh, I believe it's a playoff. Is, it, is this a playoff? Yeah, no, it is. Seattle won last year and went to Lambeau and lost a close game. This is another playoff rematch from last year in the divisional round. So should be a good one. Here's another good one, but not in a good way if that makes any sense at all. Denver coming off the win of the week last week outside of Jacksonville. They go in, it's destroy the Dallas Cowboys. Kind of look like the quintessential Denver team, right? They win the, run the ball well. Teddy Bridgewater makes enough throws, and that defense without Von Miller that they traded away to LA to the LA Rams, like really stiffened his neck, and Dak and the Cowboys offense couldn't do anything. They're minus two and a half at home against the Eagles. I am not a Broncos believer, but I think the Eagles suck. So I'm actually going to use my fourth lock here on Denver minus two and a half. I can't believe this game's not over a field goal. Um, I think Philly sucks. I think their defense sucks. I think Hertz does some nice things, but I think he's very limited. I can't believe this is not more than a field goal. I'm all over Denver here. I'm surprised by this line. Is this at Philadelphia? No, no, this is in Denver. Wow. Because like this uh, stinks to high heaven. Yeah, man, this it, this is just so hard. This is just what the NFL does. Uh, you think that you 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 have a lock and you know it's good, but I'm gonna go with Philadelphia on this. Uh, I'm just gonna just for some strange reason, I'm just gonna take it. That's why I'm just taking it because it's just a random weird thing. Uh, the way that you talked about uh, how you like that, I just I, I'm gonna take the other side. There we go. Uh, Sunday night football, Raiders plus two and a half at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Weldon Rodenberg Bowl, he will be in attendance. The Rippy Wrights podcast will have uh, boots on the ground in this game. Weldon's taking a Vegas trip this weekend. Two and a half, I would prefer this be a field goal. Raiders go lose a tough one at the Meadowlands last week. Honestly, I think that's a little bit of a product of just everything that's happened to them over the last month. But I'm not out on the Raiders. I think they're a better coach than the Chargers. And I, I, some people are out on them. I'm not. And I don't see how you can take Kansas City currently against anyone right now. Kansas City was a seven-point favorite last week against Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers, who had – or Jordan Love had arguably one of the worst NFL debuts that we've seen in the last decade. And the Chiefs still could, couldn't score points. The Raiders' defense is not quite as good as the Packers, but they're on comparable levels. Um, I'm going to use my last luck on the Raiders' money line. I think they win this game outright. I think the Chiefs are broken. I think Patrick Mahomes does dumb stuff. I just I, – I I can't take the Chiefs in good consciousness here. So, I'm going Raiders. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to have to just very short and simple and agree with you. I, I like the Raiders too. I mean, you know, just think that uh, they had a, had a bad game against the uh, the – the the Giants last the last week they've had a bad bye week and uh, just you know press the refresh button and uh, get going back on on the track so I'm gonna go with them I like it there we go Monday night football Rams Niners this game looked probably a hell of a lot sexier on paper in August when they were selecting the games or June whenever the hell they do that Niners plus four against the Rams. Rams had a terrible week last week against my Tennessee Titans. We really just pummeled them into submission. But as a Stafford fantasy owner and as a Cooper Cup fantasy owner, 
I'm going to go Rams minus four here, even on the road. This line stinks. It feels like a game that the Niners throw the kitchen sink at, but they seem like kind of a mess. They don't run the ball as well as Kyle Shanahan. I kind of like his persona like would like allege that they do. And uh, I think the book is out on the old boy genius Kyle Shanahan. I'm going Rams here minus four. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I mean, I'm also a uh, a uh, Stafford and Cooper Cup uh, fantasy owner, and uh, I got some Van Jefferson, but supposedly they uh, just signed uh, OBJ. OBG. Or yes, whatever. they did. He would. I doubt he plays this week. Maybe I'm. Maybe he will. I doubt it. But they're all in. Well, yeah, I, I like Cooper Cup a lot. He's a great wide receiver, and uh, I think the trade for Stafford was good. So I, I, I like the I like the Rams. That is week ten in the league where they play for pay. It has flown by, my friend. Looking forward to a wild weekend. A lot of good football, and uh, I guess we're gonna have to check to see if the library is still open. Oh, it's open. <laughs> well, I will. Uh, I will meet you there on Friday then. I uh, appreciate time as always. We'll holler at you next week. All right. Thanks, man. As always. All right. That's our show. If you made it to the end, I appreciate another marathon of a Friday podcast, but uh, hopefully got your weekend kickstarted. Everyone have a safe and happy weekend. Go to the game. Enjoy it. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Or I don't know. Do it. I don't care. We're all adults here. I can't control you people. Uh, We'll be back at it on Sunday with a couple of different things, a little unorthodox uh, Sunday show that you're used to, then back with Weldon on Monday for a bonus pod. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to getting back to Oxford this weekend, flying out uh, later Friday, later on Friday as I record this very early Friday morning, and uh, looking forward to getting back and uh, going to a football game. So everyone have a safe and happy weekend. We'll talk to you on Sunday.